0: Welcome to the cocky ride home for Friday, November 13th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. Why do we associate Friday the 13th with being unlucky? The weird and creative solutions some offices are coming up with for virtual holiday parties this year. And don't miss the next and first official SpaceX astronaut flight launch tomorrow. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Today is Friday the 13th. The second Friday the 13th of 2020. You may remember the previous Friday the 13th. Maybe it feels like yesterday, or it feels like 10 years ago. Because it was in March. And if you lived in some parts of the world, that was probably the exact day that you got a ton of emails telling you various events had been canceled and businesses were closing. It might have been the first day you worked from home, thinking it would only last for a couple of weeks. Maybe it was the day you stood in the longest grocery store line of your life, clinging to a four-pack of off-brand toilet paper that you just fought someone for. Here in New York City, it was the day that a rumor circulated that the bridges and subways were going to be shut down. Friday, March 13th, 2020 is perhaps the closest I have personally ever been to a cursed Friday the 13th. And I don't want to curse it today, I'll knock on wood. But I don't think today will be quite as bad. I mean, in some ways, for a lot of people, it is much worse, actually, of course, but that's because we're still experiencing the effects of the first Friday the 13th of the year, not because of anything new happening today. Not that what happened was because of the curse of Friday the 13th. Okay, Before I get too real about this, why do we associate Friday the 13th with being such a cursed, unlucky day? There have been a few things that have likely pushed forward the narrative that Friday the 13th is unlucky dating back to the 19th century with the death of Italian composer Giacchino Rossini. And more specifically, his memoir, written by British journalist Henry Sutherland Edwards, which read, quote, He was surrounded to the last by admiring friends, and if it be true that, like so many Italians, he regarded Fridays as an unlucky day and 13 as an unlucky number, it is remarkable that on Friday the 13th of November he passed away. End quote. Perhaps more influential, however, was the 1907 novel by Thomas W. Lawson titled Friday the 13th, in which a broker causes a panic on Wall Street on that day. Though notably in the story, the broker is playing on an existing superstition. So this story wouldn't have invented the superstition, just perhaps popularized it. And of course, in our modern era, nothing has amplified Friday the 13th in the cultural consciousness more than the Friday the 13th film franchise. Perhaps you've heard that the superstition dates back to Friday the 13th of October 1307, when Philip IV of France arrested hundreds of Knights Templar. But there's not really a record of that event being associated with bad luck until the 20th century, when a number of novels proliferated the myth. Of course, the idea of the number 13 and the day of the week Friday being unlucky separately as two distinct entities does go back that far or further. A lot of people think of the number 13 as being unlucky because of Judas being the 13th guest at the Last Supper, or in Norse mythology, Loki was the 13th and uninvited guest at a Valhalla dinner party. He caused a stir that ended up leaving the world plunged into darkness. Party fowl, my man. Around 700 BCE in ancient Greece, the poet Hesiod wrote in his almanac Works and Days, quote, avoid the 13th of the waxing month for beginning to sow, end quote. He doesn't explain why, but there have traditionally been associations between the phases of the moon and when to sow seeds, so there's probably some connection there. Now, as for Friday being unlucky, one of the earliest recorded mentions of Friday as being unlucky comes from Geoffrey Chaucer's The Canterbury Tales. One of the later stories, The Nun's Priest's Tale, is a mock retelling of one of the classic medieval stories about Reynard the Fox, and in this case, Chanticleer the Rooster. Chanticleer dies on a Friday, and as the priest points out, so did King Richard, saying, quote, Why have I not your wisdom and your lore to chide the day of Friday as did you? End quote. The way it's written, it seems Chaucer was slightly referencing an existing superstition of Friday being an unlucky day, though as Asia Romano points out in a Vox article from March of this year, in which they refer to Friday the 13th as, quote, the longest-running meme much of Chaucer's writing was humorous and ironic. He could have been making fun of people's superstitions, or he could have just made it up. One last little footnote on The Nun's Priest's Tale from The Canterbury Tales. It is loosely, very loosely, the basis for the iconic 1991 film rock doodle Anyways, within the Christian tradition, Fridays were linked with a lot of significant events, like the crucifixion, Eve's offering of the apple to Adam, and the beginning of the Great Flood, so it is likely that some people may have associated the day with a bit of foreboding. But after the Canterbury Tales, we don't see another written reference to Friday being an unlucky day until the 16th century. Quoting Vox, in 1592, the playwright Robert Greene coined the expression Friday Face, which was shorthand for a look of gloom or dismay. There's not much context for this usage either, but it's clear that by this point, people were starting to view Friday with a wary eye. In 1633, in his play A Match at Midnight, the Jacobian playwright William Rowley described a plague of Friday mornings, the most unfortunate day in the whole week. Just a scant 20 years later, another minor English dramatist, Richard Flecknoe, was anecdotally given credit for penning this ditty. Now Friday came, you old wives say, of all the weeks the unluckiest day. End quote. And indeed, throughout much of the 1800s, we hear about people being superstitious of Fridays. All kinds of almanacs and guides instructed people to abstain from starting journeys, new ventures, harvesting, getting married, and even recovering from illness and giving birth on Fridays. Children who were born on Fridays were said to be incredibly unlucky, and as I'm saying this, I just remembered that I was born on a Friday. But we really don't see mention of combining the bad luck of Fridays with the bad luck of the number 13 until after that 1907 Thomas W. Lawson novel about Wall Street. And from there, the superstition picked up rapidly, with newspaper articles as early as 1908 referring to it as a, quote, ancient superstition. So are we missing something? Or is the case, as it is with so many things, that a relatively new phenomenon was misattributed as going back much further than it really did? In other cultures, there are different day and date combinations that are unlucky. In Greece and some Spanish-speaking countries, it's Tuesday that's unlucky. In Italy, Friday the 17th is an unlucky day. And this is apparently because if you mix up the Roman numerals for 17, X-V-I-I, you can get V-I-X-I, which means I have lived and is associated with death and therefore bad luck. And like the number 13 here in the States, there are some Italian hotels without rooms numbered 17 and even airplane rows that skip 17. And in my elementary school, when I was in third grade, everyone believed that September 9th was the most unlucky day of the year because I told everyone that it was and they believed me. According to EarthSky, every year has a minimum of one and a maximum of three Friday the 13th. Fortunately, there will only be one in 2021, in August. Which is good, because I think we can all agree that we'll need all the luck we can get in the coming year. After over eight months in lockdown, we're all feeling the Zoom fatigue, so the last thing most of us want is a full schedule of holiday-themed Zoom happy hours with our co-workers and professional partners this December. Fortunately, a number of companies have really stepped up their games to offer more creative spins on the virtual party, and some of them are pretty weird one quick note the article i'm mostly pulling from here is about office christmas parties in the united kingdom where it's a bit more of a thing than here in the states they even get tax breaks for annual christmas parties which partially explains why so many of them are going forward with parties this year and still have the budgets to do so anyways so a more low key option that many are opting for is sending out gift baskets with things like gingerbread house making kits cocktail master classes and other types of shared cooking classes Wired says that one company even got some former contestants from the Great British Bake Off to host a lesson for their employees. But it goes much further than that, quoting Wired, Workplace hologram company Spatial is being used to host VR parties with personalized 3D avatars, and IT services company Velocity is using VR headsets for a celebratory session of virtual paintball. End quote. Events technology company Hirespace is offering virtual parties using a game-style interface where employees can navigate between rooms of the party, which can be customized to look just like the physical office. It's super experiential, the game starts with you being picked up in a taxi and talking with your driver, played virtually by an actor, before being dropped off at the party, where you can wander around the rooms until you find the people you want to hang out with or the vibe that you're looking for, you can even go hang out in the bathroom. Woodbine Farms is one of a few places who have been contacted to host virtual tours of their farm, specifically of their reindeer. One production company is offering both pre-recorded greetings from and virtual visits with Santa. Swamp Motel, an immersive theater company, is one of many offering virtual scavenger hunts that, while not holiday-themed, are a popular option for office parties. And like the virtual cooking classes, they also offer to ship out pizza and cocktails to the participants. Edward Poland, the co-founder of Higher Space, told Wired, quote, "...it really is possible to elevate the office Christmas party beyond a dystopian pseudo-meeting to something more special, experiential, and memorable, while supporting the events and entertainment industries which have suffered." End quote. And while so many in-person event companies have been able to successfully pivot to virtual events, it doesn't mean everything is peachy keen. They say it's about the same amount of work, if not more, because they're having to create entirely new operational systems, and they bring in less revenue. You can't charge as much for many of these things, and especially at this time of the year, they don't see the same profit margins on alcohol sales at the events. You know, I really do have to hand it to a lot of event and theater companies. You know, I have seen some truly remarkable creativity this year. Of course, it doesn't make up for the real thing, and I can't wait until we're able to do in-person events again, but it's been great to see the innovative ways that they're weathering the storm. Not least of which, because I am really, really tired of Zoom parties. Set your alarms for 7.49 p.m. Eastern Time on Saturday, because that is when the next SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket is taking off. Weather pending, but the forecasts look good. This Crew-1 mission will be the first operational flight for SpaceX's Crew Dragon following the demo test flight earlier this year with NASA astronauts Bob Behnken and Doug Hurley, which served to demonstrate SpaceX's readiness. A few changes have been made since the demo, including changes to the spacecraft's heat shield and parachute sensor. Now, SpaceX's Crew Dragon spacecraft, the capsule that sits atop the Falcon 9 rocket, has officially been certified to carry humans into space, meaning this Crew-1 mission will technically be the first NASA-certified commercial flight. They passed the Flight Readiness Review and signed the Human Rating Certification Plan earlier this week. And it means SpaceX is now certified to launch astronauts to and from the International Space Station for NASA on a regular basis. Quoting Space.com, Starting with the Crew-1 mission, SpaceX's Crew Dragon will be making regular trips to and from the ISS, providing an alternative to the Russian Soyuz spacecraft that has transported NASA astronauts for the last decade. NASA has also contracted Boeing to fly astronauts to the ISS on its CST-100 Starliner spacecraft, which has not yet successfully completed a demonstration mission and is scheduled to take a second stab at an uncrewed test flight in 2021. End quote. Saturday's crew consists of NASA astronauts Victor Glover, Mike Hopkins, and Shannon Walker, as well as Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency astronaut Sochi Noguchi. They've named their particular Crew Dragon spacecraft Resilience after, quoting CNN, the global pandemic, economic hardships, and civil unrest that has made 2020 a particularly challenging year, according to Hopkins, end quote. After an eight and a half hour flight to the International Space Station, they will stay there for six months as part of the Expedition 64 crew. And again, they'll be taking off from the Kennedy Space Center in Florida this Saturday the 14th at 7.49 p.m. Eastern, if all goes well. So tune in to NASA and SpaceX's website to watch it live. And if you are anywhere near the area, NASA urges you to stay home and watch the live stream instead to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. One last thing today, as pointed out on cocky.org today is the 50th anniversary of the exploding whale in Oregon. I talked about the incident on this show earlier this year when the town of Florence, Oregon, opened a new memorial park in honor of the whale. If you want to learn more about the time a town accidentally used too much dynamite to get rid of a beached whale, you can listen to the July 2nd episode of this show, and definitely make sure to go watch the remastered 4K video, especially if you've never seen it before, over on kotki.org. Links to both in the show notes. But now that is it for this week. I'm going to go to a virtual happy hour where I will spend most of my time in the virtual bathroom talking to a shady virtual character voiced by an out-of-work actor because that's apparently what we do now in 2020. I hope you have a great weekend. I'll talk to you again on Monday.